Welcome back to Zevo Talks. I'm your host, Ashlyn. As we continue to adapt to what is happening around us, we are looking at how companies have made changes and found a new way of working. Keeping your organization's morale and well-being high has never been more important, and we want to look at how you can maintain your workplace culture. Today we are joined by Davina Ramakasun, our well-being director here at Zevo Health. Davina has a master's in health psychology and has worked in large organizations for years. She has a keen interest in workplace well-being and has brought this professional and personal interest to her work with Zevo. So today we are joined by Davina Ramakasun, our well-being director here at Zevo Health. Davina has a master's in health psychology and has worked in large organizations for years. She's a keen interest in workplace well-being and has brought this professional and personal interest to her work with Zevo. So Davina, thanks so much for joining us today. To start, as the Wellbeing Director here at Zevo Health, has wellbeing always been something that you would have a particular interest in? Yeah, um, in my childhood it was instilled quite strongly in me that health is wealth and my dad used to say that all the time. Um, and so he, for us, you know, he would take us running most weekends like he wanted to go running as well so it was just a way to kind of manage the child care and get us out the house I guess and give my mum some headspace um but then there was also a risk of diabetes in our family so from really early age on a really early age my dad was also really conscious about what we were eating and would try to limit our sugary intake which was a pain for us because you know we're children and we wanted to to have our sweets um but it was from a perspective of um, care and concern. And I think some of those messages stayed with me throughout my life as I kind of um, grew up. Um, and my mom was also a kind of really key player in, like she loves cooking, loves making us nutritious meals. And and it was just something that has always been there within, um, even within my family back in Mauritius, like everyone tries not even tries I think it's just they eat quite healthily keep quite active um my granddad's brother for example he's 80 and every day he's still doing his yoga and yeah I think it's just the influence that my wider family have had on me which have which has made me um so interested in well-being um in addition to that my parents both of them are are nurses so my dad was a registered mental health nurse those were the two influences from their careers which have filtered into my perspective on the world as well and then how would you practice well-being yourself yeah really interesting question because for me well-being is basically living so every action you take is either going to harm or help your well-being so from you know the moment you wake up we've all got choices and I know how hard it is every day to try and make the right choices for your own well-being but for me it's you know minding myself being aware of who I am what I'm feeling thinking doing you know even down to how to I talk to myself um, but it's definitely all the foundational things as well. So you're eating, drinking, sleeping, exercising, right? And um, yeah, it takes a lot of time to get all of those things in order. It's not something that you can just um, aspire to and have, you know, a, a level of 100% well-being every day. Um, it's something that needs continuous um, focus and attention. And how do you think that someone could kind of get to, like, where could they start to get to 100% kind of living well-being every day or... 
Yeah, I think that this is a um, really hard question for some people to answer because we're not necessarily taught the skills um, in school to know what does healthy eating look like? What does good sleep hygiene look like? Um, and and how do we look after our mental health? So, and they're huge areas in and in themselves. So I would say if you if you want to start paying more attention to your well-being, pick one area. So maybe you're not getting enough sleep. Start looking at how to improve that. Then move on to maybe the next pressing thing in your life. Maybe you want to start an exercise routine. So it's consulting with your GP and you know perhaps working with a PT and starting that exercise piece. Um, it, it's really you know listen to what you your body is telling you that you need and start there and then grow it. It's it's definitely not that one size fits all. So that's why it's really important to try and find your way and and look after your well-being. As an employer, how can you mind your staff when working from home and how can you check signs when you can't see them? Yeah, that's a really, really difficult one um, with the remote working. So it's do, it's about doing a lot of things um, intermittently and interchangeably. So, you know, depending on what your communication channels are, um, it might just be pinging the your team and seeing how they're getting on. Do they need anything? Um, it's definitely about having those one-to-ones with your team members still, um, having those check-ins, maybe not even talking about work. It, because remember, if we would be in the, in the office, we'd be, you know, making a coffee and just talking about life. And a lot of that soft conversation has unfortunately been lost. But I do see a lot of organisations making a lot of effort to try and bring those soft, those soft communications, um, communications back in because they're so important. They help us, you know, get to know each other and build trust and understand if someone's struggling on a project and how can we support. Um, so it's really important that, you know, those soft check-ins, maybe just calling a colleague and saying, do you want to have a chat and a coffee um, oh, will go a long way. Um, it is going to be a lot harder to see the signs of someone who is struggling with the distance that we have. And now that we're not in the office, we may not see the same physical cues that we may have looked for in the past. Um, but I think it's really important to open the conversation or give space to it. So I know leaders struggle with a lot of the time with finding the balance between vulner being vulnerable and being seen as emotional. Um, you may not get it right, but I think it's still important to create that psychologically safe space and either start the conversation. Um, you know, the pandemic is happening. We're all experiencing it in different ways. It's okay to share some of those experiences and hopefully other team members may start to, to join in um, and and just, just have that conversation in a non-threatening um, and very safe way. And if an organisation is dealing with a sceptical team, what do you think is the best way to encourage engagement? When it comes to scepticism, like the the team will be unsure. They'll be looking at the situation and looking at whether the evidence proves or disproves what you're saying or what they believe is, is due to happen. Um, so it's really about patience. Um, so being communicating a, a strong message with empathy. Um, 
acknowledging that people will come to the, the point of change in their own time, um, being consistent in your messaging and also being boundaried with the care that you provide them as a leader. Um, it's about giving space to airing some of those concerns as well. Uh, but it might also be considering another coin, another side of the coin, so cynicism, um, sometimes used interchangeably with scepticism, um, but cynicism, cynicism is a sign of burnout. So it might be something to just keep an eye on and, you know, have another check-in with a team member outside of a group setting and just hear them, you know, listen to why they have these concerns. And you won't be able to solve everything, but listening is half the battle. If someone feels heard, then they know they've said what they need to, and hopefully that will help bring them on board, um, you know, as things continue to change. I would say also, during this time, it's really important to have a healthy amount of challenging when it comes to skepticism. You do want to listen and you do also want to to show um, any evidence that that disproves any of that that concern that they may be having, which maybe might not be correct at that time, um, just to help build confidence. But it's definitely about timing and, you know, you might not be able to have all of that conversation in one go. It might be one day you just listen, give it a few days and organically the conversation will arise again and you might lay a few more kind of um, blocks in the messaging and then you can um, keep on building from there. So I think timing, patience, consistency, boundary care um, and, and showing that empathy are real important ways to help um, encourage engagement. How are you managing your work-life balance as they are now more intertwined than ever? Oh, <laughs> this for me, to be honest, was a challenge um, in the beginning. So it was very easy kind of because you don't have that commute. And maybe, I don't think I realised how much I valued that commute until it was gone because sometimes I'd be able to walk home from work um, or just have that, that time to decompress. So... I think, yeah, it was a challenge in the beginning. Now I'm a lot more boundaried with myself. Um, so it's really important, you know, if my lunch break is there, I'm taking my lunch break and moving away from my screen. Um, trying not to be on my phone as well, because you're just looking at a laptop all day. And then you run into the a potential cycle where you go from laptop to phone to TV and it's just no rest for your eyes. So I like to try and change my tasks as, as well. So I would, I, I like um, sewing and designing clothes in my spare time. So like that kind of artistic outlet is really beneficial and helpful for my mind. And I like painting as well. So sometimes it's just doing those things interchangeably. Um, but I definitely think it's about planning. So plan your work time plan what you're going to do in your spare time and um, so you have those clear boundaries time boundaries so that you have work during work and then home and and everything else that you want to do for your own personal uh, fulfillment is still there it's not just left on the back burner um, I think that's really important because we have to create those boundaries um, now that we don't have the physical distinction of the office and the commute and I guess coming into winter I feel like during summer working from home, we had the option of leaving the house, you know, winter coming in, it's going to be colder, the weather's going to be changing. Are there any tips that you can think of how people can change their space 
like the way in which they're working so that there's that kind of, the, when they finish work, there's the change somewhere without leaving the house maybe. Yeah, I was actually thinking this myself because I've been enjoying the weather so much and I was just like, oh my word, how am I going to cope when the darker days set in? Um, and and I don't know if I have the full answer right now uh, because I value the outdoor space so much. What has been good for, um, for people that I know have worked is clearing their desk, so tidying up, creating that ritual for work ending so that you can move your work stuff to the side like tidy up your kind of um, um, notepads or loose pieces of paper just put them out aside if you can if you've got that space to do that and um, people who do have you know their offices like shut the door and don't go back in there till the next day and use and associate other parts of the house with other um, tasks or activities that bring you joy. Um, but I think it is still going to be really important to get outside, even in the winter months, because we know in Ireland that there are a lot of people who have to take vitamin D um, supplements, um, who struggle with SAD or who just aren't getting enough daylight. So even on the cloudy days, you're still going to have some of that benefit of being outside, um, even if it is raining and, and not too too warm outside. Then people can often be dubious to share mental health problems in the workplace. How can conversations be encouraged coming from the top? Yeah, um, I mean, Ashley, me and you were talking about this just before we started the podcast and, um, you know, we've been through our own experience of this in, in work and I think we've both learned a lot from this and, um, you know, at one point I was your line manager and um, you were very new to the organisation and um, there wasn't the the maybe behavioural symptoms that, that, I would, that we would look out for. I mean, you were well presented when you were coming to work. You were eating with the with the team. You were quiet, but we know you. We know that's not a necessarily a symptom. That's just part of you know your personality, and and the same for me as well. I'm quite introverted and and can be quite you know especially at work just focused. Um, but we went through you know our a, a very um, I would I would say a challenging but also period of growth in our relationship in that in that in that relate in our relationship in the way that we had to build trust um we had to take time um to give you and i the knowledge of where where we were um i spoke about trust a minute ago just making you feel comfortable to share with me and and for you to know as well that I actually, that I had your best intentions at heart and that's very difficult for either new employees coming to the organization or employees who um, are scared to inform their employer about mental health for fear of being weak but I think it's it's really it's really not about that it's it's hopefully, you know, with times are changing, there's so many more managers who are understanding that we can't compartmentalise life and work. You know, whatever is impacting us in our personal lives is obviously going to have an impact in our professional. Try our best as we may, 
you know, we may try to try and keep those two separate, but we're not robots. And, you know, whatever causes pain and distress in one area of our life is going to have a draw on our resources. And so I hope with time, you know, we'll have a more compassionate um, workforce um, combined of, you know, direct reports, managers, and just that tr that element of trust is there and it grows and organisations are able to create that psychological safety for their team members to come forward and say, hey, I'm not feeling my best, I'm struggling. Um, I This is what I'm experiencing and I really, I could do with a bit of help in the workplace. Yeah, because I guess I've, I've, in my kind of work experience, I've never worked for a company where I felt able to trust my managers or wanting to open up or had maybe like peers even to open up to um, and in school growing up we were always told to leave our problems at the door and I think that's something that's just kind of told to a lot of Irish people kind of growing up leave your problems at the door go to school focus on school and then leave um, but given the experience that we've had I can definitely say that opening up to you and, and being honest and giving you my trust and like earning your trust as well just changed my whole work experience I guess it made the days better it made everything a bit easier um so even like to anyone who is struggling find someone in work even if it's not first of all your your line manager find one person that you can trust I think and um, because being open and sharing is it's so important just to be able to talk 100% um without that social support um like I think we'd all be lost and that's really unfortunate messaging that that you received and I'm sure hundreds and thousands of other people have received it's an unrealistic ideal um, and it really does contribute towards the the amount of distress that any one person is experiencing and just like you, I've been in that place before where my mental health hasn't been great. And I've had to, you know, say to Richard, um, you know, I'm, I'm overworked or I'm stressed out with this project or, uh, you know, I've been working a little bit of overtime. I need to take some time back. And again, that's been met with compassion. And it's just, yep, take your time, do what you need to do. And I think it is really important to, to have that person, um, you know, in the literature, it says having a best friend at work um, is the most important relationship. And the second one to that is your line manager, because you offload with your best friend at work or a very close colleague. You have a bit of a laugh, probably, you know, you get to let off some steam. Um, but it's the line manager who can actually make the tangible changes. And so I think, yeah, we all need to be a bit more aware, especially during COVID. There are going to be, you know, increased amount of ex people experiencing mental health symptoms. And if they've received that messaging that you that you spoke about, you know, just leave it at the door. There might be a lot of people just sitting and suffering in silence and not understanding that what they're experiencing are symptoms of anxiety or stress or depression. And they're all very normal, especially in the circumstances that we're in at the moment. If you could give advice to someone that is struggling with their mental health in the workplace, um, what are some ways they could go about airing their struggles with their employer? Well, yeah, just as we were speaking there, I think um, you know, we've spoken about trust and timing. But I, I think for the individual, um, especially if you had received any messaging to say, you know, just leave it at the door, just get on with it. It's about having that courage and bravery to change your perspective on 
what you feel you should be like at work, um, looking at the pressures that you may put on yourself or feel others are imposing on you. And I think it's that acceptance piece that we all have mental health. Um, I think a lot of us associate mental health with just the negative aspects of it or mental health illness. But in reality, you know, mental health is, is on a continuum and to have positive mental health enables us to live, you know, an independent and fulfilled life. So it's in, it's in your interest to, to be able to live that life. And, and I think everyone wants to, they just don't know how to at times manage some of these issues, um, which are all very normal. And um, when we look at the stats of mental health in Ireland and across the world, you know, we can see how many people experience um, mental health. They say one in four people across their lifetime will experience a mental health um, illness. And, you know, you look at the size of your families or your teams and you, you realise, you first realise that it's not out there outside of our social network. It's in there. It's, it's part of the group, but it's almost silent and unobserved. So if there's someone who's struggling with their mental health in the workplace, I think find someone who you can share your struggles with, whether it is that close colleague in their first instance, someone who you feel um, you can safely and confidently um, share these experiences with, someone who won't judge, who might help you um, link in for other supports, whether it's your EAP, but if that's not enough, it's um, a really good idea to try and um, map out what you want to say to your manager. So it might just be writing down some of the symptoms you're experiencing, um, how it's impacting you in work, and maybe even if they were to help or if you had a magic wand, what could you do or what could they do to help improve the situation at the end of that conversation? I think, I think it's about embracing mental health um, more than anything and and trying to find a way um, and find the tools and resources to cope but not to do that alone it's definitely about bringing that support with you at the moment with all that is happening in the world things can get too much or seem overwhelming how do you think people can stay on top of their mental health and to try and keep a positive outlook you know we're, we're overwhelmed at the moment with so much media and this was this was here before COVID so I think what COVID has done is put the brakes on life and is forcing us in some ways to reassess how we want to live what do we value and how do we want to redirect our attention um, we know from the predictions that are being made that mental health is you know is going to have a, a significant rise um and also in line with the world health organization predictions um regarding depression um they they've predicted that it will be the leading cause of disease burden um by 2030 so we're headed in a direction that we need to take control of because potentially there's um, a mental health crisis on a global level which is going to hit us we have a lot of the tools and resources and education available and you know i see now 
it's being taught a lot in schools but I think you know there's this cohort that we would probably fall into where we didn't get that education in school and we're fast learning these skills as an adult so I think it's going to be really important that we're taking this time to really consider what is helping and what is harmful to our mental health and try and make small sustainable changes that are in alignment with our values, how we want to live our life and which are, which are supportive of our mental health. And would there be any small daily habits that people could start right now to safeguard their mental health? Throw your phone away. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, right, I think that is... You know, like when I went traveling um, after I finished um, um, university, I didn't have a phone on me. And it was only at that point that I realized really the impact of my phone and how much I was tied to it. And I often think if aliens came down and they were to look at us and the way we lived our lives, they would literally think that we were, that we, this phone was our life support, that we couldn't live without it. Um, it goes everywhere with us. We've got notification after notification, um, you know, and, and there are other things that happen uh, with the phone in, in regards to that instant gratification that we can receive um, and, and the, the swipes and the likes and those feel-good hormones. But I think, you know, if you look at your screen time, it's probably quite worrying the amount of time that we spend looking at the screen and we don't spend time to look up and to have a conversation with our family members who we live with or our friends um, or even just look up and you know see the nature that's around us it's really I think if there was one one small thing I think it would be be more mindful in whichever way is possible so if you're eating dinner you know maybe eat your dinner away from the tv and enjoy the flavors we spend our times rushing from one thing to another and I think slowing down and taking appreciation of um, the beauty of life and coming out of our phones and so that we can reconnect to the bigger picture I think are sounds big but it's 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 going to have huge benefits to our well-being um and yeah, I think I think that would probably be one small habit that would reap years of benefits and probably add much more time to your day as well. Yeah, and um, that kind of brings us on to um, my final question, which was focusing on switching off. Um, so you obviously do think then that living in such a digital world makes it harder for us to be kind of within the present moment. Um, do you think that it's because we're comparing ourselves to kind of like an unrealistic version of what we're seeing online or maybe it's a constant stream of like negative news there's not really a lot of positive news out there and it's not just at our fingertips constantly yeah I think this this problem like uh, it's, it's not new I think technology evolved very rapidly and us as human beings we haven't caught up to say what are the boundaries with technology um, how do we want it to complement our lives? Because it has helped our lives in very many, like numerous ways. For many people, it's exactly as you said, those things, you know, the comparison, um, you know, the Instagram um, selfie. 
I'm starting to see a lot more, um, and this might just be in the algorithm and my newsfeed, I don't know, but I'm starting to see a lot more women anyway in this movement to challenge what is Instagram versus reality. Um, so, so that's been positive. Um, and I hope that continues because it's setting an unrealistic expectation for the youth and for us as adults, you know, um, if we don't look a certain way or if our lives and our holidays don't look a certain way, um, then what does that mean? Or are we, are we missing out or is someone else's life is better? Um, but I think as well, just remember, like, we don't really post about the bad days, we just post about what's great. So even when people are posting about, you know, their extravagant um, Instagram life, um, we don't actually know anything about their lives. And I think that goes, that can be said for many people who we interact with. Um, we don't really know what any one person is experiencing until they let us in and explain what it might be that they're experiencing. So definitely that comparison piece, I think we probably all could do with being a little bit more kinder to ourselves and accepting um of our bodies um i mean our bodies are fabulous things no matter what shape size whatever they come in they help us in like you know walk down the street be able to look at, up at the sky to be able to um look after ourselves and i think the very basic function of our body has been lost to just the appearance but you know that's that's the you know the most gratitude you can have for your body um my <laughs> my grandma always used to say um the body is a house for the soul um and it's and and um just going off tangent a little bit here but she used to say I used to when I was younger I used to wind her up and say oh I was smoking and I wasn't but uh, I would just do it for the shock value it was a bit of a messer and she was going she would say to me she'd say would you smoke in your house? And I was like, no. Like the thought of smoking in your house is just, it was just odd. And she was like, well, you're putting that in your body. That is your house, you know, like for your body. And I was, it just made me think a little bit more about my, my body in a different way and its function and how to look after it and why you need to look after it. So yeah, I think um, the digital world has, um, I think we have to mature a bit more to know how to use technology in a way which is beneficial to us. I mean, of course, uh, we already know um, in many ways to how to do it, but I think we're quite addicted at the moment. Yeah. And and I think that's a societal issue. You mentioned something about the, the comparison piece and then there was a second part of the question. Yeah, so it's kind of like, you know, I would always associate the news at the moment anyway with negative news it's very hard to find kind of the headline being something positive and I think having negative news at our fingertips as well is something that just it's like a constant negative stream um into your life like you you might get a notification and it's a headline and it's news that you that has just come straight to you and it's negative and it could just completely change your day essentially you know it's it's not something that you've gone looking for but it's come straight to your phone yeah okay yeah and like so we we're primed for negativity um yeah. yeah we have that negativity bias which is there in in many ways to keep us safe you know it helps us attend to threats in the environment but when you're bombarded with those threats um and those those negative headlines and i think just looking at the time that we find ourselves in as well it's not just negative there's a lot of grief 
there's a lot of sadness um, with uh, the Black Lives Matter protests um, and that level of disconnect, things that have happened in you know this side of the year. Um, it's causing us all to, to, to have a lot of that information um, at our fingertips. And, you know, there are graphic images and videos to go along with that as well. And I think it's important to recognize that that emotional toll that it might have on you. So if you do find that you're looking at the news quite a bit and it's not having a positive impact on you, you know, it might be looking at considering turning your notifications off so that you have the control to go in and have a read of the, the updated headlines um, and to mind your, your mental health in that way because the, there's 101 notifications for every app on the phone. Um, I'm sure, you know, we all have to be mindful of, of those. So I think it's about creating your digital world more than anything, shaping it in a way which is helpful for your mental health. Um, so if you want to use Instagram and hey, I do, there's nothing, there's no hate with the Instagram. It's just, I know for my mental health, I have to turn the notifications off because I hate having um, them like just bombarded at me. And then what happens then is it creates that cycle of I see the notification, I want to go into it to see what it's about and then all of a sudden I'm scrolling on I don't know dog puppy videos or something like that and you're and you're half an hour later and you're going what have I just been doing yeah it's like this trap that sucks you in and it just keeps you scrolling and so yeah I think crafting your digital world is probably the first step in in making it work for you yeah I would definitely agree I've I've turned notifications off on all my um apps like any app that I have on my phone I switched them off and then I took a moment as well where if I am on Instagram and there's a post that doesn't make me feel good I'll unfollow the page and I think that's a, a responsibility that we all need to kind of take that if we're following these people but their posts aren't giving us like a positive kind of vibe or you know it's not it's not like a vibe I think you should just unfollow the account and that's your responsibility to do because if you're following accounts that you're constantly complaining about or giving out about it's like what, what's the point really I guess yeah, yeah and I guess that also then comes back yes, to us. yeah yeah that comes back to us as participants in that are we what are we posting are we and that conscious posting you know why are we posting this and and there's no shame in, you know, everyone wants to feel good about themselves as well. Um, so people are going to continue to put up the the good selfies that, you know, I think it's just the conscious posting as well. Um, what image are we trying to project? Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me here. Thank you for listening to another episode of Zevo Talks. Thank you to Davina Ramakasun for taking the time to join us today. The way in which we work has changed massively in recent years and never more so than in 2020, with the world adapting to COVID-19. How organisations support their people is more important than ever. Thank you for joining us and tune in next time to hear more about what the future of the workplace looks like.